In this next podcast session, we talk about orgasm and pleasure, Taoism, issues in our tissues, receiving vibration through this podcast, jade egg, other pleasure tools, and things we hold in our vagina. Please tune in. This is a fabulous one. Welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast, featuring leading voices in 2019, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine authenticity and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Doppelt, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I am super pumped about today's podcast. I have Dana Nalvin with me. She has traveled the world as an intimacy coach, yoga and meditation teacher in the jungles of Southeast Asia, Hawaii, Manhattan. Her innovative approach utilizes pleasure as a pathway for self-actualization. She has been seen teaching meditation on major television networks such as CNN, Fox News, and Telemundo. Dana has been recognized by Yoga Journal for her service work abroad, living as a teaching artist in an orphanage for Burmese refugees in Thailand, a lifelong poet, dancer, and artist with a passion for social justice. Dana has her bachelor's in creative art therapy, and we met as we both got our master's in clinical psych and education at Columbia. Hi, Dana. How are you today? I'm in love. I'm so happy to be with you. Yay. I'm so happy that you're here. So tell me, Dana, what are you up to these days? What does life look like for you? Um, so right now I am, you know, surprisingly still really excited and devoted, I would say 10 years later, to living a life that's kind of living in the world but not of the world so um, a blend of energy and healing and um, sharing that so I teach meditation and I teach yoga and I have a private healing practice where I primarily work with people around intimacy and developing um, a blend of spirituality and learning how to express themselves as a sexual erotic being, which um, for a lot of people is an area that is kept uh, kind of in dark, shadowy, often traumatized or just awkward, unexpressed places and really taking that and talking about how um, our bodies can be these portals for divinity and that in many mainstream spiritual approaches, that the body is something you have to transcend and instead uh, really talking about going down and in into the body and using the, the body as a, a place for nourishment and shelter and a way to express our highest self and our highest potential. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. I know I've, I've practiced with you before. It's deeply healing. And what brought you to this point thus far? What 
experiences led to this type of work? Yeah, I had a couple of foundational um, experiences of, I would say, um, discontent. Um, so I got a job when I first graduated from college teaching at an orphanage um, for Burmese refugees, as you mentioned. And I was teaching at a center for children who had, and teenagers who had been through sex trafficking and human trafficking and child labor camps. And um, I was just a baby and I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I was dealing on a day-to-day -day basis with children who had been repeatedly raped and sold. And I would leave each day feeling so overwhelmed and devastated about the state of the world. And though I already had a meditation and yoga practice, I really felt like I wasn't actually, it was like I was, if you were to charge a phone into a wall and you weren't actually plugged in, I was, I, I couldn't charge. I couldn't actually replenish myself. And I felt like a lot of my sort of idealistic dreams about changing the world, that there was no way I could ever be big enough or great enough to make an impact or a dent into so much devastation and so much injustice. And I think I became a little bit of a podcast junkie at the time. And um, I, there was this one little cafe um, in the village I was living at that I could get internet at. And I stumbled upon someone teaching about um, orgasm as a pathway to healing. And something really lit up in me. I don't know. It was just a little seed. And I started studying, um, researching the few teachers that were still alive that were teaching ancient traditions, so traditions that had been rooted in thousands of years of wisdom that had to do with what it meant to be a female um, who was also spiritual. Because a lot of the traditions that I had been exposed to, both Eastern and Western, all had some kind of male deity at the center of it. And when I was living there, I just couldn't, um, I couldn't figure out where, like, where to find a sense of yumminess and peace around being a woman when a lot of the women I saw around me were being used and abused and demoralized and humiliated. And they were so low on the totem pole in the, um, in what I saw as the culture there and back in America. So I started traveling, um, studying with as many teachers as I could find. I think I was sort of lucky and naive to not really understand at the time that, um, it was going to take a lot of resources to travel and study. Um, so I just threw myself into finding these female mystics that were alive, finding um, role models. And what I noticed was that there was actually a network, a sisterhood of teachers who were also supporting each other. And they were all diving into erotic expression as innocent. So there's this term um, coined by Saida de Soleil called erotic innocence. And 
it mirrored what I had had as experiences where um, when I had been in relationships, I noticed that some of my favorite moments with myself, like times when I felt like I really knew who I was, um, was when I would be kissing <laughs> or when I would be looking at someone who was looking back at me like there was no one or no place they'd rather be. And I, I basically went on this quest for trying to feel the light inside of me as truth and the darkness that I saw around me as changeable, as transformation as possible. And when I discovered working and cultivating sexual energy, it made so much sense to me that if that's the energy that's used to make babies, every single one of us is a product of an orgasm, that that might be powerful enough to actually change some of the discrepancies and inequalities I saw in the world, that that raw creative energy could be molded and shaped like clay to create anything we wanted. And most of what I saw outside of me, most people weren't using intimacy or sex with consciousness. It wasn't I, A lot of people around me weren't making love at all they were making i don't know um relationships that pass the time or make themselves feel better or whatever so i i think i felt to circle back really discontent with what i saw in the world and um i needed something that i felt was powerful and potent enough to really make an impact so I thought that. is there a difference between erotic in, in a sense with just yourself or also with a partner? Um, yeah, I actually, <laughs> if you had told me back in the day how much of my practice has been a solo practice, I would have been like, well, <laughs> forget that. But no, um, it's actually been absolutely about creating intimacy with me. I'm, and actually really um, the Taoists say, that women are walking around with heaven in their pants. And um, the idea that the goddess lives inside, inside the body, that she she's in the body. So you can talk to the goddess, you can pray to the goddess, but really um, the way to access her is through. So every single time that I would think that the source of love was coming from outside or a source of approval, um, there was only so long that that could really satisfy me. Whereas if I'm the source, whereas if ecstasy and pleasure comes from me, um, it's a feedback loop that brings you constantly back into yourself. Or as another teacher of mine, Cass Phelps, described involution. So the revolution is in. Um, and really, if you want to create a true love, if you want to create bonds that are epic and blow your mind with another person you can't skip the step of first falling madly in love with yourself you can't skip with yourself that's the pathway to i think happiness but also just um selfless intimacy being able to really commune and merge with another is that you've done it first with yourself and that's the trick self-love self-compassion connecting with yourself before connecting with a lover and the world around you. Are, the, are there any rituals or practices that you use to practice this self-love or 
intimacy with self? Yeah, um, at this point, I feel like um, my whole day is filled up with them. Um, but it's been years of, of learning how to incorporate sensuality. Because um, I think one thing that when people talk about self-love, uh, it's sometimes a concept or an idea. But I do mean self-love also as in self-touch. Having a, a self-care practice that includes yourself like a lover so I, I like thinking about my hands like maker outers like if you're making out with someone <laughs> letting your hands um touch yourself like you've never touched this body before like you've this it's an island to discover um i do daily breast massage which is a foundation of Taoist practice for women it helps um not only balance hormones and cleanse the lymph system it has a ton of healing properties just naturally healthy for you massage but also it stimulates uh, oxytocin the, the cuddle hormone the love hormone and it flushes out emotional residue from the heart because in the Taoist tradition the breasts are an outward expression of the heart so um, if you think about it that way like the heart, my heart wants to be held. My heart wants to be connected. My heart wants to be seen. So I, I use self-touch quite a bit to keep myself connected with the physical expression of my heart. And it, um, it actually took this idea when I realized just how much touch and love I wanted from partners. And I sort of took it on as a challenge of, well, if I'd expect a partner to get excited about me every single time I walk into a room or to keep their eyes on me no matter where I go or to um, always have a sense, even if I'm across a room, of having some kind of um, intimacy and warmth between us, that can I do that for myself? Can I all day long, even all night long, feel excited about being next to me? excited about my own touch, feel excited about listening to my own thoughts and ideas and my inner world the way that I would want someone who's in love with me to be. Does that make sense? Perfect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we have to feel excited about who we are. We have to be romantic with ourselves. It's a new layer of, of self-intimacy and, and compassion that we don't talk about enough. And it's really a shame that we don't have these conversations. That's why I think women's circles and having women coming together and talking about what really connects to them or, or intimacy and truth. Why isn't this mainstream? Well, I, I think there have been centuries and actually millennia of um, active oppression and suppression of women's practices, especially women's spiritual practices. And at least in my lineage, a lot of the Taoist practices, women were killed, they were imprisoned, they were um, ostracized, they were exiled. Because, and you could even look in the West at, um, I forget the figures, but something like 800,000 reported women were burned at the stake as witches, which, um, if we actually feel in our feminine bones the wounds of that, um, and I do believe that we hold 
in our DNA, um, in our ancestral DNA, a lot of memories from past generations that were unprocessed, unprocessed trauma, that any woman who's coming into power and she dares to also not just navigate the world through um, competition and uh, ambition with no cause, which, uh, but she dares to navigate the world also with softness and vulnerability and pleasure and fun and flirtation that she is going to bump up against society's um, very limited beliefs around what a woman in power can do or can look like. And, you know, I trace back, I think it was in America in particular, a lot of the women who were called witches um, were the only female landowners. They were often grandmas with gardens and healing herbal gardens. And But to have a woman who owned land, that was threatening to the powers that be that any social radical, um, any, any social rebel was a threat to powers of oppression. So I actually think that it takes tremendous strength for a woman to even find herself into circles that are having these types of conversations because deep down we hold within us both fear and memory of times where we were um, very actively silenced. And I still feel today that there's narratives where we are still incredibly silenced. And this is the time to come out of the woodworks and talk about it and have these honest conversations. So thank you for doing this work and for speaking about these practices. Thank you. And um, thank you for creating a platform for women to connect. Because once two or more women come together, they're unstoppable. There's really little that we can't do. And um, I do think it's time to broaden our lens of how do we femme the future? I don't know if you're into Janelle Monet, she's one of my heroes, but um, uh, talking about femming the future, how do we make a future where I love to dream about um, workplaces that are really um, juicy places for women. I don't know if you've heard this, but one of the wins that I've been celebrating is that Italy has recently passed a law for paid period leave for women so that you can get a note from your doctor and you can get paid time off when you have your period if you have painful periods. And Italy is one of the most famously misogynistic countries in the world. So this is a huge win. And I don't know which women that we have to thank for campaigning for that. But can you imagine a world I picture menstrual rights starting in as early as middle school when women come into their mature bodies that we wouldn't have to suffer through masking symptoms of pain or lethargy that we'd we if we are bleeding we get to lay down and rest just like if a male was bleeding through his genitals you know he'd probably be resting <laughs> we'd probably be in the hospital but like really making a space for a future where women have room for their emotions, room for flexibility, room to change their mind, room to make a decision and make a different decision 10 seconds later, allowing uh, flexibility and uh, juiciness to start to come into more mainstream areas of our lives so that women feel like we're welcome here. 
And we have to feel like we're welcome here. And I know that on those first couple days of bleeding, we need to be in bed. We need to be dreaming. We need to be self-nourishing. And recently I started practicing cycle syncing and learning more about the phases. And when you really, even business planning, if I'm business planning and cycle syncing, or if I'm romantic and cycle syncing, or I'm syncing my diet to my cycle, I'm so much more effective and proactive. And I dream more deeply and I feel more nourished day to day. And it's definitely something I've been sharing with my clients. And even this nine-month soul immersion that I launched virtually is definitely going to speak to this. It's definitely the time for women. Yeah, I would love to share a few period practices that I love. Um, one is get a red pen to write with if you journal um, so that when you're bleeding, you can clearly see how different your thoughts are and your dreams are during that time. Because back in the times of the red tent and the times when women were allowed to gather, that was seen as a sacred shamanic period of time where your dreams and thoughts were um, partially in another realm of consciousness. And um, I've even had a pretty radical practice. Of course, I have a practice where I can work from home if I want to. Um, so that makes it easier, but where I try not to leave my house, I do a staycation for my period. So like the first couple of days, I, you know, I, if you're one of the people who goes to the gym or goes out socializing, don't for the first couple of days, stay home, um, order in or have your food ready. Um, if you can do it, do less, close your eyes, go in darkness, cover up your eyes, um, and allow your inner world to work you. And it's not always easy to face what's in there, but what I've found is that if you go deeply yin, if you go into those deep, dark spaces, spaciousness, that you're able to come back out much more effectively yang, as you're talking about that active solar, effective energy, but like really letting yourself go into deep restoration during those first few days and choosing that your time with you is sacred and that whoever else you want to hang out with, um, either they can come to you or it can wait a couple days. Yeah. Beautiful. It's that menstrual pause. It's that meaningful moment to reconnect. And I know we talked about this years ago, as we were speaking to spiritual rituals that help us connect to our femininity, our divine feminine, our wise woman. And you're the one who taught me about throwing yourself a festival. <laughs> yeah, I learned about this when I had just been dumped. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I have gotten really into packing a backpack and on a day off, um, going somewhere in nature. If you're in an urban place, go to the nearest park. Um, and if, and if you have a lack of privacy around you, um, take objects, crystals, anything, and make a circle around you if you need to. Otherwise immerse yourself deeply in nature, do some forest bathing, but, um, take music if you've got it, speaker if you've got it. Um, and dance and scream and make noise and express through your body what you've got going on and throw yourself a party and 
at that point it was definitely a pity party. That was like my grieving. I would pack a bag and pack all the snacks I needed and everything I needed to, and water and have everything I needed. And I would dance wildly for hours and I would, or cry or whatever I needed to do. But I basically was like, um, party of one. And, and it was, it was crazy because I look back on that time that should have been a really horrible time. And like, I mean, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was so devastated, but I also had such good times with myself that I look back on that and I really laugh and smile because, um, I threw these festivals and I would even name them. I'd be like, today's festival is <laughs> like Heartbreak, Heartbreak 2018 <laughs> or one festival I threw myself was called the Gold Angel Festival and I wore wings to the park and brought my hula hoop and I, I, I also think it like, um, it takes away some of the idea of like the FOMO that somebody else is throwing the party that you need to have. I really... I've been really into the idea that becoming life is the party that you want to have, like your life, you're the host of your own party and <laughs> you get to have the party that you'd really want to go to. Maybe it's not about joining somebody else's party. Maybe it's about having a party that you'd actually really want to be at, which is pretty rare. I've been to quite a few festivals in my life and I actually think that most of us are looking for these little moments of ecstasy, um, thinking that somebody else is going to create the avenue for that to happen. But really like who knows you better than you can, you know, who's, who's more your best friend than, than you. And ever since learning that from you, I've even taken festivals into, uh, like a daily ritual or as often as I can before I have to sit down for a writing deadline, or if I have stagnant energy and, I need to get a bit deeper to receive a download and a meditation practice. Sometimes my festivals are two minutes long and it's a Simon and Garfunkel record and swaying as if I was there live at the concert. And definitely I love the visual of being in the center of the circle or dancing around in a circle that you created out of earth elements surrounded by nature or in your office whatever space a woman can access. Yeah. And I would say like, um, cause that's something I think about all the time. Such a good point. Um, that when people talk about how do you, what are, what's required for a woman to really come into her own beauty, her own potential, and also her most, um, orgasmic range. How does a woman access orgasmic pleasure? The two things that I've found with clients time and time and time and time again is, um, privacy and safety. And I'll say that again, um, in order to become your most orgasmic self, you're going to require safety and privacy. Um, and that is something that women historically have been denied. So it is something you may have to carve out. I, for a long time, it was the only place I could get safety and privacy was the bathroom. And I'd have to, when I was teaching in a corporate setting or something, I'd have to go in the bathroom and I would shake my whole body or give myself a dance break or rest, like rub my breasts or do anything I needed to do to feel like I was having a good time, especially when I wasn't having a good time, like um, really cultivating 
cultivating fun, no matter what's going on, um, having at least one moment of your day where, um, you're not just in your head, I should be grateful to be alive, but you're actually like, oh, <laughs> I'm here. Like I, I exist and I've made it to this day and I have this body and yeah, how can I be with me? That's so beautiful. One of my great teachers, Dr. Jolene Brighton, she talks about how we have so much cortisol and adrenaline boosting throughout our body that for women, we constantly need to use the mantra, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. Just to relax the hormones in our body and to allow us to move throughout the day. I am safe. I am safe. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a big proponent of, for a long time, when I didn't have the strength to do my practice, like when I couldn't physically, because um, there were times where I've been so ill that I couldn't dance and I couldn't sit up to meditate. And what I could do was press play on a podcast or something like that. Like I couldn't even read. I couldn't keep my eyes open. Um, that I would like to say for anyone listening that you are getting from both of us a vibrational transmission where you can sink your heart into our hearts and into the place that we know that you can do it. We know that you can thrive. We know that you are here for a reason. And just by listening to us talk about celebrating ourselves, even if that feels a million miles away, um, even if you're feeling like you're in a living hell, um, I've been there. And just know that you can rest a little more deeply now that safety is available for you. And even if you've never been given the permission to feel safe before, or if it's never made sense, um, start dreaming into the possibility of if you were completely safe to be you, if it was totally safe to be alive and happy and expressive and orgasmic and um, delicious to be you, if you were totally safe, um, what would that feel like? What would that look like? What would food taste like? How would you move through the world? And even just me saying these words, you can sort of pull into your universe um, a safety that maybe has never been there for you before, but is available to you now. That's why you're listening to this, because now's the time. And may this be your time to shine, and may you show up. Yeah, and showing up isn't always um, something you do once, and then you have to stop. <laughs> like showing up, it, it repeatedly has taken me showing up again and again and again. And each time, I think, I think one of the things that I value most in my experience as a human is, I think a lot of us, is being truly seen. Like moments where I feel like a, a veil has dropped between me and and the person I'm with, or I don't know, it could be a tree or a book, and just really feeling like, oh, my soul, my essence um, is being recognized in this moment. I, 
I don't think I really met myself until I was 20 years old. Like, I really started to meet myself as a soul later in my life. And each little glimpse lets me know that there's so much more available. And that's where the gold mine is. Like, it's inside job. It's all an inside job. <laughs> but everything I want is inside. I love this idea of when did you truly first meet yourself? And even the podcast I recorded, uh, the Meet the Host podcast, I truly feel like I met myself when I was 17 and then I lost myself again and um. then re-met myself until I was t about 20, 21. And then again, it flowed back and then through yoga and meditation, I re-met myself over and over. And what I love so much about this question or about this conversation is for everyone listening or for everyone checking in, think back to all the times where you really did meet yourself. You were probably feeling super nourished in that space or you were probably feeling safe or maybe you were in a new environment and you were doing different rituals and daily practices or as a different travel schedule and it allowed you to really tap in and connect deeply. And maybe today or for the coming weeks or the next time you have your moon cycle, your menstruation cycle, what does it really look like to meet yourself today or in the coming days? Yeah, a question I love to start my day with is, or reset my day with in the middle, <laughs> is um, if I were truly honoring me today, what would I choose right away? And I... You don't even have to get an answer, the question alone. Um, if I were truly honoring me today, what would I choose right away? If I'm genuinely curious, it's often not what I think it is. I mean, sometimes the answer to that question has been break up with your boyfriend. Or, or um, sometimes my answer has been go back to sleep. But I've noticed that the answer voice, if there is a voice that answers, is quiet and is so sweet. And just like wants to say like, you're doing great, darling. There's nothing, you don't actually have, nothing is required of you today. <laughs> you know, like, um, there's, and there's something I wanted to speak to about what you were just saying about meeting yourself. And if you feel like you've never met yourself, I've been there. I don't think I really, I had no idea actually that I was unhappy until I experienced, um, genuine happiness i was i had um moved to hawaii and i this was in 2010 and i remember sitting on a tree under a tree and thinking oh like what is this feeling and thinking oh i'm i'm happy and i really didn't know before that that there was like an absence of joy and it really struck me that there is so many, and this is something I found in my practice, that there are so many dimensions of pleasure and happiness that are untapped, unchartered territory, that we genuinely, we have no idea how good we can feel. And it's not something that anyone can even really, I could, I could tell you all about how good you can feel, but until you have the experience um, in yourself, and it is fun to talk about that. We can talk about some of my favorite um, 
ways to feel incredible. But um, in the same way that your range of emotions, most of us are playing very few keys on our keyboard, as Mama Gina would say, um, of our emotional keyboard. It takes me capacity to feel the depths of sorrow, the depths of pain, and that allows us to catapult from the darkest depths, like where you didn't know you could go that low, all the way to the highs that you didn't know were available. Because there is not one single drug you can take that doesn't simulate a chemical reaction in your brain that we don't naturally produce. Every single drug um, only works by actually stimulating your own inner pharmacy. Um, and all of it is available to you. Um, it's just your, it's latent in your system and is needing the conditions to be safe enough and you to be curious enough about what's possible within you for you to access them and turning your attention towards yourself for a long enough period of time, if that makes sense. Our internal pharmacy, I love that. Yeah, there's some, um, Mark David is a, actually a nutrition teacher who speaks really uh, articulately to this about um, breath and touch and oxygen and um, moments of pleasure and gratitude as really uh, pressing buttons in your brain that stimulate serotonin and a lot of the neurotransmitters we need to feel bliss. What are some of these other practices we can use to feel really good and really feminine and super grounded and young? Yeah, so I want to throw some things out that actually the first time I learned about this um, was almost six years before I actually experienced this. So I do want to say some of these things are seeds that will be planted into your consciousness that now that you've heard about it, you probably won't forget. But um, there's absolutely no pressure to have this experience, but I do want to talk about um, the Taoist gateways of orgasm. Um, so one experience that will really help a woman um, know who she is um, that have given me some of the most transcendent divine states I've ever had is cervical orgasm. So cerv the cervix located at the top of the vagina um, is a extremely tender area of the body. And in the Taoist tradition, it's connected to acupressure meridians, um, energy meridians of the heart. So um, it's about as close, it's about as deep inside of a woman as you can get. So if you think about it, the deeper you go, the deeper you go. If you really want to know yourself at the deepest level, you might want to explore this deep, deep, deep chamber of mysteries inside of your body and for most women when they first start to touch or simulate that area and usually it does take some kind of toy um, to reach there uh, it's often a storehouse for all of the places of neglect and trauma in the body so like when I first started really working with the cervix um, I cried a lot um, I still use it as a a barometer for my emotional feelings for my heart um, 
because first of all, to just get into that place, you have to already be um, really welcoming of that experience. So um, I tend to take a consent is not an implied approach with even self-touch. I'll ask myself before if, if, if I desire penetration that day, um, if I'm doing a self-pleasure practice. But once you break through um, any stuck pain, in the cervix and this can take time um this is a place of incredible pleasure it's known as the queen of all orgasms it's um a source of light and inspiration and creativity and it's a total reset for your nervous system um it's connected to the vagus nerve one of the most important nerve pathways in the brain it can actually um reset your entire body's biochemistry. It makes chemical changes to the body because to have a cervical orgasm, um, you cannot be in fear. You cannot be in fight or flight. You can't have sexual pleasure and also be in fear of danger or threat. Um, your entire body is coded in the hormones of bliss and satiety and satisfaction and safety. It bathes you um, in your own your own pleasure. And there have been moments where when I've really worked with the cervix a lot, um, where I've managed to kind of break through experiences of crisis or times of my life that really sucked and um, have these little moments of intense intimacy with myself where I was going into the deepest parts of my body, this deep, 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 deep parts of my body and staying with myself. I'm talking like 45 minutes with myself, really working with the tissues deep inside of myself to massage through pain and trauma and sadness and neglect and wounds all the way to the other side where I was shivering and convulsing in pleasure. Like um, what it does, areas like this, especially the deep vaginal orgasms, um, they actually are transformational and self-actualizing orgasms. They bring you all the way from the darkness into the light. They bring you through a experience where you have to be with yourself um, so completely and be so tuned into yourself that you can actually alchemize or transmute pain into pleasure. Um, and, and it really works every time. <laughs> so, so one of my hopes for anyone listening is that you, you dare to explore yourself. And if you're really in a time of your life that's truly challenging, I dare you to take on a daily self-pleasure practice, like actually touching yourself, touching your intimate places, touching your tissues. We hold so many issues in our tissues that if you take the time um, to give yourself pleasure daily, um, it will take you to a higher level. You will transform. Um, it does take some devotion um, and it often takes some healing, like a healing journey, a healing process. But um, 
do explore your cervix. Do explore your your inner vaginal canal um, and see every single time as you explore there, like a brand new time. The Taoists talk about our eternal virginity, that every single time that we explore ourselves, we are virgins, we are brand new. Um, it is only a social con construct that tells us that awful things like we lose our flower or that we this one time that we go through some big threshold every single time is a threshold that you go through every single time is equally significant and important pleasure as a pathway to peace yeah and for women it, i think it's one of the the only true pathways that keeps us um experiencing the blessing of being in a woman's body oh and also i would like to say that if you've had your cervix removed you can still have cervical orgasms it's primarily an energetic experience um so it's not actually about the physical body it's really about the energy body but also um what i found is that when i was talking about when i was living at the orphanage at the refugee camp um Meditation, though it was incredibly grounding and foundationally important and is a part of my daily life, um, I, I wasn't able at the time to fully go from devastation back to wholeness without ecstasy. I actually had to go all the way to ecstasy to go to, to find neutral. Like I, I wasn't, sometimes peace wasn't a strong enough medicine for me. Um, and I actually needed to flush my system with ecstatic dance or deep pleasure or orgasm to be able to fully come back into a state that felt whole. I needed to go all the way to the other side of the pendulum um, in order to reset myself to center, if that makes sense. What are some of these, as it relates to cervical pleasure, what are some toys or props a woman can use? Um, yeah, so I, one of the best ways to unlock it is um, a jade egg practice, which there are some really great teachers out there. Um, I also teach the jade egg practices, which is a stone, uh, a precious gemstone that you insert into your vagina and it's drilled with a hole in it and you tie a string to it and you can squeeze and pull against it and tie weights to it and you can experience a ton of pleasure and also a lot of deep strength and pelvic floor health. Um, so that's one practice is the jade egg practice. Um, but also using any kind of dildo, I particularly like working with natural materials, so like a crystal wand. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot of great brands out there. I think one of them is called Chakra Rubs, where you can get a stone that you find really beautiful. I really like rose quartz or something like that. Um, anything that's long and um, has some kind of dense or strong, like you can really work, massage those tissues with is really great. Um, and just be really patient with yourself, breathe deeply, use it as a meditation practice. Um, and, and if you're stuck or you don't know what to use, um, use a dildo that has a pointed tip maybe and a long straight shaft um, so that you can get little small acupressure points because your entire 
vagina has um, tons of acupressure and energy meridians running through it. The pelvis is a ley line for energy meridians. So really giving yourself a full body treatment when you're working on the vaginal canal. And, and before you ever enter, like I said about consent is not applied, you really want to be turned on and um, you can stimulate your clitoris, you can stimulate your breasts and your nipples, you can use a really skin friendly oil, um, something like coconut oil or an organic skin oil, almond, jojoba, um, and you can just really be tender and gentle with yourself. And this is also a great way to teach your lovers how to eventually um, be a therapeutic healing partner for you. I'm a deep fan of sexual healing, especially with a partner. So you can really teach a partner how to massage you. So you can really lay back, prop your knees up on pillows. And um, if you've got a, a friend to help you with this, that can be really, really lovely. And you can really practice the feminine art of receiving. And even just asking for that can be such an initiation for women. Just being able to ask, like, like hey, baby, would you mind just giving me some massage? Like, I just really need a massage and I need some pleasure, but um, I don't really have to, I don't want to have any pressure to make sound. I might be silent the whole time. I might moan. I might, uh, I might be totally stiff as a board. I might cry but if you could just hold space for me what i really need is this um and just being able to articulate that desire and have your partner fulfill it can be um i feel like the goddess just like jumps up and down and is like yes like she did it <laughs> um so anytime you can name a desire and let someone fulfill it for you is such a win <laughs> dana and i were hanging out a couple years ago and I was in New York for business and we decided to have our group of friends come together and we were going to go to dinner at Italy in Manhattan. And Dana comes up to me and she's like, hey, like, do you want to wear an egg to dinner? And I was like, yeah, like, let's wear an egg. So we go to dinner. We both have our semi-precious stones in our vaginas and we're ordering our meals and drinking our wine. And I lean over, our friend Mitch from Australia was in town, and I lean over, and I'm like, Mitch, I have an egg in my vagina. It's like, Erin, that's so cool. <laughs> so it is a really, that, I mean, that's the, like, the fun side of it. And the intuitive part is I really ordered something that I really wanted. And I think there's something, we have these guttural reactions. We have these vaginal reactions and we see somebody attractive. You receive that shiver. And sometimes it's even when um, I've had women or clients who are wearing a diva cup and they can kind of sense their reaction to something just because they have a something within their vagina. But when it is this jade or the semi-precious stone, you can feel a different way to connect. Yeah, and that practice, that practice has unfolded for me over almost a decade now, and it continues to deepen and change. And I do think there's ways to use it ineffectively and ways to use it effectively. And finding um, teachers of the highest integrity, it's really something that like um, has been a journey. And I've had a lot of heartbreak along the way of having teachers who weren't of the highest integrity and, and really realizing that um, it's a practice just like yoga, where yoga for the pussy where you really get to um 
you'll never get to the bottom of your heart, right? Like you will never touch bottom. You are endless. You are infinite. Um, the, the part that we're speaking to the feminine soul, she doesn't age. She's not old or young. Um, she doesn't get sad or mad. She, she doesn't die. So we're talking about deepening, deepening your experience of the feminine soul. Um, this is an endless journey. And I have found that that tool, because it has been used for centuries, thousands of years, um, actually, um, it's traced back to five to 6,000 years um, in China and Japan. Um, it has that sense to me of like eternal, infinite, um, and really anything that is deep, 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 deep inside of me. I, I give myself permission to know that I'm, there, there is no end. Um, I'm never going to stop being curious about my potential. And I do believe that um, if you are referencing the source of joy as inside of you, um, your potential, you'll really see it or feel it deep inside of you, that pulse, that pleasure that you're talking about, that shiver, as um, you'll start making prioritizing that exploration in a whole different way when the source of the divinity is you. <laughs> Dana, thank you so much. This is what we need to hear. This is conversation that isn't mainstream that needs to be. And I so appreciate you coming on this podcast and sharing your voice and your truth and your wisdom. Is there anything else you would like to add? Um, just like to remind listeners that, um, you're pure, you're good. Um, every part of you is natural. Every part of you is welcome here. Um, even the parts of you that you've denied or hidden in the shadows, every part of that underneath it is, is wholeness, is naturalness. Um, you are a sovereign being. You're so important here. Um, and your pleasure is actually a radical, life-changing impact. It make, makes waves on the world. It's a way to embody change and transformation and a future we can really look forward to. You're an angel. You are a mystic. You're a sage. Um, you hold within you, sorceress, anything you could ever wonder about. All your wisdom is inside. And you're safe. And I love you. <laughs> you are safe and I love you. Dana, thank you so much. Pleasure as your pathway to peace and great enlightenment. Thank you for being here. And Aaron, you're the best. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> if you resonated with this podcast, please leave a comment and subscribe. If you do leave a comment, feel free to screenshot it. Send it back to me and you will be entered to win a $100 gift card to Whole Foods, Lululemon, Athleta, or Amazon. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day.